Hello, and welcome to the Yukon Entrepreneur Podcast Series. I'm your host, Carrie Johnston, and this is a podcast all about how Yukon businesses are adapting during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm recording today on the traditional territory of Champagne and Asiac First Nations in beautiful Dakwakata Haines Junction. And my guest today is Les Walker. Les, please introduce yourself. Hello, um, my name is Les Walker, uh, Champanese citizen, uh, father, Yukon citizen, uh, born and raised. <laughs> And I also run a construction company up here in Yukon called Walker Home Construction. Great. And how long has Walker Home Construction been operating? Um, you mean above board or? <laughs> I think I got my business license in 2009, but I was taking on small contracts before that. Um, but I think it was in 2009 because I looked this up uh, a couple of years ago. So. Sure. And, and who's your customer? Who do you serve? Basically, Yukon. Um, we we haven't got out of the Yukon, although the, the company has been expanding the last few years, so I am looking in those directions. I, I like to look at the consistency of work for my guys, and, you know, given the small population of the Yukon, it, there is a lot of demand, but I, I'm always kind of looking to say, well, you know, is there some other investments to look at in BC? Um, Champanesiac is, is a... a like I don't know what they call it, but they they're both uh, members of the Yukon, are First Nations, and they're also members of uh, BC First Nations, and so they have the right to go into BC. Um, so I'm looking at that as an option for us to say, hey, maybe we can get into there, and there there is some opportunities, um, but we haven't yet. So, and and in the height of construction season, how many sort of employees ish do you have? Well, uh, you know. <laughs> It, it, it changes, uh, you know, the cycle of employees. But right now we seem we seem to be somewhere between um, 30 and 40. Uh, like, I think right now we're up towards 40 and I'm looking for more. But in the wintertime, you kind of lose uh, some people in the winter. They don't want to work. Um, your core group is like, I just want to work year round. I want to have the consistency of it. But but so in the wintertime, it's a little less. But right now, I think we're somewhere around 40. And. What have you learned about your customer during the pandemic over the last couple of years? What's it been like in the construction industry? Well, you know, it's, it's hard up here. We don't have the access to materials and, you, you know, I think customers are, are generally, they, they want to have, you know, they want to have uh, the homes that they want and they want to be able to afford that. And with the changing climate, uh, you know, interest rates are going up and uh, availability of product is going up and the demand is going up. It just, since the pandemic, it's just seemed like there's twice as many, if not three times as many jobs than there are uh, companies and carpenters. And so it's, it's just a major amount of pressure with a major amount, a lot of um, roadblocks that have been put in in the last few years that I think uh, it's, it's hard to navigate through that. It, it's hard to see, uh, to talk to customers and they're like, I've called people for three years and couldn't, not one carpenter even showed up. And then I show up um, and I know that I'm not going to be able to help them because my schedule is super busy. And it's like, we need to be able to address this somehow. Um, but uh, at, at least um, there, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that the customers are just, some of them are really frustrated about the access to carpenters, the access to labor and access to materials for sure. Have you noticed supply chain, supply chain disruption in, in your line of work over the last two years in particular? Yeah. Um, it's been, it's been a lot easier for me since the company started expanding because um, places like Kilrich and home hardware kind of set aside a core amount. Um, and they, they kind of give us a heads up to say, because of the volume of, of materials that we're buying, especially Kilrich, they always, uh, Rob always calls me or Scott always calls me and says, hey, um, heads up, you know, like it's, it's going to start getting crazy. Do you want anything? And so we got lucky before the pandemic because we got a nice contract, um, a, a couple of nice contracts through the Rapid Housing Initiative. And so we knew about 30 plus houses that we would have to build. So we approached um, Rob, they, we pre-ordered, pre-committed to to everything. And uh, we ended up having that material come in. 
So for us, it wasn't as bad, um, but for everybody else, it's like, you couldn't get plywood. You couldn't get, you know, like there, there's so many things where it's like all of, all of that, um, you're kind of like, you're in the twilight zone. You don't know what, what it's going to be. And then when you go there, things are twice as expensive as well too. So if you're quoting prices and you're telling customers, Hey, it's this much. And then you can't get that product for three months. And Oh, by the way, by the time it gets here, it's going to be 50% more, you know, like it, you're, you're, you're in a, you're in um, a high um, stressful place. And so you have to navigate through that. Um, I think communication with the customer communication with the lumber yards, they were able to address a lot of that, but you know, you, it, you can address everything. The need is greater than, than um, the ability to supply. Hey, Les, thinking back, like way back to when all this sort of started, what, what was your first memory of realizing that this pandemic was going to be a, a really big deal? Like what was your first memory of, of the news kind of hitting you? You know, we're so we're kind of like disconnected up here in the Yukon. It's, it's, we're protected, right? Like for the amount of money we get for the amount of people that live here through, through, you know, uh, FTAs um, is we're, we're kind of spoiled up here in the Yukon. So, and I think things affect us a little later, you know, you, you, I've never been through something like this. And honestly, um, when I was younger, I struggled with, with a lot of stuff being single father and, and that kind of stuff. So my intention was survival, but in the last few years, it, you know, I've become, well, maybe the last 15, I've become more political and, and more invested into uh, uh, issues greater than my own, uh, greater than my family, greater than my community. So it's, you know, when I, I think that when it really hit me was when the Yukon shut down and, and it was like, you can't leave, you you know, like you can't, you can't come in, you can't come out. And I'm like, that, that was kind of scary. It was like, uh, you know, you flash, flash, flashes of like movies and books that you've read. You're like, how far is this going to go? Right. Like, so that, that to me was like, um, a, a real kind of wake up call to say, you know, this is serious. And then, then obviously, you know, like just hearing people pass away, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to hear something that that's outside of your circle, but when it starts touching people inside of your circle, you're like, this is, uh, okay, this is real. Right. Like, um, so I think those two things for me, it was like, okay, something's, uh, you know, this is, this is, this is might take a while. Which of the, the public health measures have you found the most challenging in operating your, your business? I'm a guy that likes to look you in the face and shake your hand. I'll give you a hug if I can. Um, I'm very emotional. I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I like to connect with people and uh, I like to talk to people. Uh, the, the breakdown in relationships, I think, uh, as far as communication and connection was, was really big for me. The other things are just like, honestly, I, I was raising group homes and foster homes. You know, like there was always rules you know, like, this is what you do. This is where you go. You can't go here. You can't access here. So I, I actually adapt really well to, to certain things. Although I have a, a, an adversity to authority <laughs> too, <laughs> because I'm always like, why, why do I have to do this? Right. Like, <laughs> um, but I think that it's, it's uh, yeah. I mean like that connection part of it was, was a big thing. I, I don't think from, for us, we weren't really, affected with the lockdowns like like others were because we were considered uh what were the oh, let me think i don't want to misquote this but there was a critical service um what was the other one an essential essential service critical and essential yeah. so you're an essential service if you're um like building and providing certain things but then you're a critical service if you um are supplying materials to uh, an essential service so we got deemed as a critical service so we could actually leave the territory and come back because we had to, because of one of the other things with the, the demand of materials, um, you know, I'm the type of guy that if you say I can't get something for three months, I'm going to shop around and I, I will, I don't mind driving down south if I can, if I can get that in two weeks. So it takes a little bit of effort, excuse me. So, but we ended up doing that in a lot of cases where. It's like, look, we need all this stuff. They have it right here in Edmonton. Uh, we can go down there. 
Um, so I would coordinate that. And so it didn't quite affect us as, as, uh, as much, but it was still scary. You know, like you go through and there was like, you got to go through the security checks and they're looking at you and like questioning things that like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, um, and it's, like I said, for me, um, and, and the things that I've experienced in my life, it's, it's, it is a scary thing. It's, um, it's, you know, how far are they going to take this? Right. Like, and, um, but I think that it's also, it's also good to understand that you, we need to be safe. Right. And I, under, I understand that too. So I, I, like when I was in politics, I kind of had to teach myself not to take things personally. Like I said, I wear my heart on my sleeve. So if you don't say hi to me in the morning and you pass me, I'm like, oh, she mad at me. <laughs> right. Like, but I mean, like, it's, a, it's about teaching myself that, Hey, um, even if I feel a certain way, um, the general, I'm, I'm open to listening to a general uh, consensus of the population to say, okay, I might not agree with you, but I, I can respect you. And, and, and when, when we're, when we're around each other, I can definitely make sure to, to adjust the way that I communicate and the way that we react or the way that we interact. Uh, you mentioned like a security checkpoint. Was that the Watson Lake? Yeah. Uh, like BC Yukon border checkpoint that you were talking about? Yeah, because that yeah. was up for the first, well, almost the year of the pandemic, eh? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. And we ended yeah. up going through there a few times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, eventually they get to know you, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we, it was odd having, you know, a, like, I mean, that border exists, but we often, like in normal times, we don't really think too much about that border between Yukon and British Columbia. It's, it's uh, just a line on a map in many ways. And it's, you know, it's funny because it's like in one way that one road in, one road out protected us from a lot of exposure. Um, so it made sense to me. It's like, you know, um, it, it definitely makes sense. And I've been in that political role and I know how hard it is to make those decisions. And I know how many elements of pressure that you deal with, um, especially if it's an election year. No, <laughs> uh, but uh, but I do think that, you know, like the, like I said, it's, it's um it may, it's made me start thinking that we rely so much on one road in one road out that maybe we need to start thinking about supplying our own stuff and maybe we need to start doing that because if this ever happens again or if it gets worse what are we going to do like we're going to be the last ones to get food we're going to be the last ones to get supplies and is there a way to start for us because we have resources we've got uh, ability we've got a lot of young people and, and old people that have have uh, skills that we could we could start manufacturing our own stuff we could start mass producing these things and selling them to ourselves and if we do good enough we might even be able to ship that down uh, and have something uh, to, to go in other places so it definitely got me thinking th this is a flaw of the Yukon is is dependent so dependent on this one access road uh, that's my mind is always thinking about where are we going with this um so yeah especially now with uh flood and forest fire season upon us again and mm -hmm. how quickly we can we can lose that access to to any emergency mm -hmm. um what we, we've all kind of had to adapt to this new normal what what sort of adaptations have you taken on during the pandemic that you're most proud of in your business um I don't know. That's a hard question. You know, I think that you, you have to be able to adapt and, you know, like, I, th I think that, um, I don't know, you know, like, I, I think that we were, we were in a good place to adapt to, to the pandemic and, the the group of people that we work with it, like we're a family and we've created that and that's what got us through so i think we had those elements um in place so that we could continue to to grow as other people were having struggles we were we were growing and expanding uh, i think the foundation was built um you know i just i think that what's probably one of the things is nothing is guaranteed and I've kind of always lived my life like that like coming growing up in the foster care system you, you never know am I going to be here today am I where am I going to sleep tonight if I run away you know I got to figure that out how, how am I going to feed myself so there's always been that mentality and how I um, look at things like I never uh, I never feel like that I have something until 
um, almost until it's already done, right? Like it's like, okay, we've, it's done. And then I'm the type of person that I, I won't spend a dollar of, of money until I know that, uh, that it, that project is done and we're on to another one. So I think it just accentuated the, the reason for those kinds of things and to, to be, to be cautious about that. Um, but also to, I think that probably to backtrack on what, on what I just said is that one of the things I think is just understanding that every single person has a different opinion. And even though we're, you know, you, we might be one uh, a company with multiple people, you know, some people are very afraid of it and some people are very, you know, this, just uh, dismissive of it. And, and we have to, it's our job to not just separate those people. It's our job to bring them together. And, and it's so easy to hate somebody or to judge somebody, but it's, it's it, with a little bit more effort to try to understand where that person is coming from. You know, I think that that's probably the biggest thing that we got out of this is to say, you know, like um, it, it's, it's just, to be able to meet people where they're at and to be able to um, accept everything, how they feel and be able to communicate them and create a structure that allows them to continue to be a part of what we're doing. And what have you learned about your business model over the last two years? I mean, you just said you, I mean, you designed for emergence, you designed for resilience and adaptation sort of at your core have you learned anything else about your business model over the last two years? Um, it's it's been kind of um, you know over overwhelming in a way because I fundamentally started this company so that I could be a father. Um, I I felt like I was you know like I wasn't I wasn't um, uh, acknowledged as a father as a and and that was never equated to how good of a worker I was so what I'm trying to say is that it, it doesn't matter if I worked 12 hour days and showed up all the time and worked if I needed one day off because my daughter was sick I'd always be treated like I was basically useless like like you know give them to the mom give 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 give, give her to the grandma it's like they're not around like I'm a single father and and I and that really hurt me coming from my background um and so I started the company so that I could, um, so I could I could be valued as a father and valued as a worker equally. So I could I could create that. So all I did was offer that to the employees, and so that foundation was kind of uh, attracted a, a, a high level of employees that are really committed to the company, um, and they feel like they're a part of it. You know, they're not just working for me. They're we're we're together. We're doing things together. Um, so in the last two years we applied for some business expansion um, grants and loans and to do a prefab shop and it just exploded. So it's, it's a little bit, it's hard to kind of that question that you asked me, it's like, it's hard because it's like, we went from maybe having 12 employees to in one year, 30, and then to the next year, 40. And then now we need more, right? Like, so it's, there's a lot that happened. And then all of that expansion is happening while COVID is locking down and we're dealing with all these obstacles. So it's not survival, but it, you're in, you're on the battlefield and you're making decisions as they're coming. And, and every time, you know, you think you're on solid ground, then something else kind of, there's another element. So it's not about suffering that it's about, it's about, um, it's just about achieving what we're trying to do in a way that's, that's in line with our core val the values of the company and the values that we have. So it, there's a lot in there. So it's hard to answer that question just because of all of it. It all happened at once. So it's been an amazing uh, couple of years and it's been a very, the, the hardest couple of years of, of our company. So I, I think you did answer the question last. Okay. Did, <laughs> <laughs> did you, did you access any of the pandemic related supports for your business? Um, any of the, like the, huh? <laughs> 100%. <laughs> yeah. With any that were the most helpful for you as an employer? I think that the, the, the most helpful is when an employee is sick and they have to go home and you're forced to, 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 to go home. Like they might have allergies and you know that, you know that every year that they have allergies, but now it says if they have a sniffle, you got to stay home. And that's frustrating when you have, we have single parents working for us. We've got families that are struggling to pay their bills and, 
and they're coming up and it's hard for us to say, you cannot come to work. We're not allowed to have you there. So having that support to say, you can stay home and there's a wage that we can apply for. It, it was, it was, it was really, it was the most support like for that we could offer them. And in a way that, um, that didn't, it, it wasn't just all on us to, to try to come up with a solution. The government had that program to say, hey, we understand we're putting these uh, mandates in, but we've got this relief program that we can help families stay home. So th that was, I think, the number one for sure. Did you notice any gaps in the funding uh, opportunities or anything that you needed that wasn't there? No, I mean, like, uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I, I, I can't think of anything like I'm pretty, um, you know, I'm, I'm pro, like, I, I, I think that we need to train people and, and get them working. I, I, I don't like seeing people sit at home. Like I, I don't like if somebody is sick. Yeah. If you're sick, then you get your homework. You have, but if you're just sitting at home and you're not sick and you're just getting a check, I don't agree with that. I think that, uh, that you have value that you, you can offer something. Now you might not be climbing up ladders and doing this, but Maybe you can help over here, or maybe there's another job, or maybe you can help with the kids and take care of them. Or maybe, you know, I think that I have a traditional view of life and I think everybody has a, a role and, and everybody has value. Um, and that value, whether you're the chief or whether you're um, the guy that, or the, the, the person that goes to get firewood, you have the same value. You're bringing something, you're a part of this system. And without that one piece, the whole system is, it, it gets affected. And so if I, if you look at everybody like that, then you, everybody's on the same plane. It's just, they have different roles. So that's sort of the way I, I that, that, that's the belief that, that kind of carries me through that. Mm -hmm. Going forward, how are you thinking about your business differently? Where are you seeing opportunity? <laughs> now, you know, I've got a lot of energy. Uh, when I was elected to politics, um, my energy is is high, and I'm always I'm 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 going to show up and be like, we can do it, right? Let's just get this done, right? Like, let's figure it out. And a lot of people would approach me like, oh, that energy it's gonna it's gonna come down, it's gonna come down, and eventually I'm like, uh, why would you why would you even say that? Like, um, why if if I come to the table with energy and I'm willing to share it, why don't you share it? It'll take a little bit of it. Why don't you like let's try something? You know, it's like I'm super ambitious and I feel like I have more energy now than I've ever had. I think that coming from a hard upbringing and, and struggling emotionally, uh, you know, it's it's physically and emotionally coming through that and and um, and finding out reconnecting with who I am and 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 my culture and and what's important to me and. And going through that hard work has showed me that if you set a goal for yourself and you and you have something that you're passionate about and you just chase it no matter what, no matter what, doesn't matter what anybody says to you, if you follow that and you start achieving things like that, it's like, huh, how many boundaries am I setting for myself to say, well, all I want to do is get my journeymanship. And then you get your journeymanship, like, okay, I did that. Like, well, all I want to do is I get a job year round to, to pay for my family. And then all of a sudden you do that. And it's like, then I want a house and then I want, or maybe I'll do this company and maybe, maybe we'll grow the company and holy cow, what else can I do? Like what else, what else is out there for me to do? And when you can move towards something with purpose, um, there is no obstacles. It, these are just things they're, they're just, it's things. And you can always look to your, the community that surrounds you and 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 with 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 all of their uh, with all of their knowledge and all of their perspectives, we can figure this out. Um, now, Zeus on the mountain mentality. I think that that you're going to be pretty tunnel visioned and you're going to be pretty isolated. Um, but I think when you look at it as the community, when I was on council, I um, you know there were there were there was this. Um, sense of like we're, we're doing this together we're, we're a team we're going to solve it we've got so many people that bring all of these elements to the table and when I first got elected I felt like the most uneducated person at the table um, and then I quickly realized that that a lot of the people the higher educated people were like very tunnel visioned now they were like it was what I consider like they're like a sword but if you, the sword can cut in a bad way or a good way and so 
I had that ability to look at things with common sense and to say, hey, wait a second here, why aren't we thinking about this? And it would be like, oh, oh. And so it, it taught me that that each of us have value, even when we don't feel like we do. And and that that sort of ambition kind of is gets me through those things where I can think, you know what, what I want? I want year-round gardening. I want one acre of covered land at, at using biomass and geothermal and I want a partner I want Champanesiac to do it and um, like right now what we're doing with the company is I just received uh, actually just received I think a notification this week that I got an allocation for Champanesiac for a commercial lot but so it is a it's a it's an allocation through our final agreement so the lot is uh, is allocated towards me but they're going to use this to generate a, a a lease for the property. So it's the first commercial lease that Champanesiac's ever done. And so what I'm, what we're doing is we're bringing my prefab shop back to settlement land. And what that does, um, excuse me, what that does is it enables Champanesiac to redeem the taxes that my company pays. So just like uh, the government redeems our taxes um, to use, uh, to, to provide for the infrastructure and all that other stuff. When it's on settlement land, the, the First Nation can has the ability to redeem uh, the taxes from those corporations. So, and, and the cool thing about that is once it's redeemed, the First Nation can use that and to help to programs and services like elders, youth education, uh, more infrastructure, anything that they want. So it, it just really gives efficacy to uh, why Champanesiac uh, partners with these companies and creates these companies. And, and what, how does that transcend back to the citizenship? Because a lot of the times the business, um, the business strategy is to, to basically save as much money, reinvest it and save that money and reinvest it. Well, when you do things like that, what it does is it puts the money in the bank and in the company. And the citizens are on the street saying, I can't afford to buy diapers. And I can't, like, my house is still messed up. So by bringing, uh, bringing the company back to settlement land, they're able to say, it's not like I'm saying that they're going to buy diapers with that money. But what I'm saying is they can say, hey, there's this program or we've got this extra fund that com comes in through bringing these companies back to land, back to settlement land. So it's my intention to, to partner with the Development Corp and to work with the First Nations to say, how can we set this up so that we're using the same dollars uh, and we're able to create that value and bring it back into the community while building the infrastructure on settlement land which also attracts more citizens to live there because if you have a store and a daycare and a community center and all that kind of stuff. So, so with that, it, you can see how I don't just, I try not to look at things just for the company. Um, but at the same time, I try to find ways that, that, uh, that we can, we can build partnerships with and that and those partnerships can, can then it, um, they, what they do is it, it creates strong relationships and more opportunities for the company too, as well. So, there, it's so many, it's like a little ecosystem and it's, it's not, it's not um, complicated uh, process. It is relationships are complicated sometimes, uh, but it's not a complicated process. It's really going, looking back to a traditional way of, of, of looking at things to say, Hey, we all have value. And if we were living on this, if we were living in the same community uh, 200 years ago, if you got fish, then I'd have fish. If I got a moose, then you'd have a moose. If you needed a house, we would build it. It'd be done. And, and now today it's, it's more of this separation stuff. And it's one person could be a billionaire and the next person could be starving in the same town. It's like, how is that? Like where morally, how, how does that happen morally? Right? Like, um, so I, I'm looking towards doing that. And what I'd like to do with my company is I'm designing it so that I can back up. So I'm, I'm really relying on the people that have come to the company and what they do and they're doing it at a high level. And so I'm just kind of integrating that culture and um, trying to give a little oversight, but then eventually I want to back up and I want to be able to start other companies to say, I've got all of these other ideas that I think that have efficacy. So when somebody wants to do something, maybe I have an investment company that says, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm into that. I want to help you do that. Um, but I want to help in a way that potentially I can invest in something. And then I can pull back and say, look, this is you now. You're on your own. I don't need to invest. You've got the money now. I'll just take this and I'll reinvest it somewhere else. And so it's basically building community. And for me, that's my purpose. I'm not saying that's for everybody, but for me, it's like, if I can leave this world 
And, and I know that our grandkids, and, and, and no matter who you are, uh, Chinese, uh, African, uh, First Nation, non-First, I don't care who you are. I want a world that's better for you. And I think that we can do that. Um, and I'm very positive uh, you know, about looking for solutions. I think that a lot of times in life, we focus on obstacles and it's, that's it. We get fixated at this person or that, that thing. And it's like, I understand that. But the way I look at that thing is, is that helping me get to what I want to get to? Or is that just getting in my way? Now I'll share a story before we move on. When I was a young man, um, I would have to go get gas in the morning, right? So every morning I'd have, I'd allocate $20 um, and, and that's how I would budget my week. So I'd go, I put 20 bucks in my tank and then um, and I go off of my day. So I started noticing everybody that I ran into complained about the same two things, gas prices. All oh, these gas prices are so high, hey? And, or hey, oh, look, look at this weather this weather is, is crazy. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Um, eventually I'm like, you know, like everybody's complaining about things that are out of control. The only thing that we can control is, is uh, what, how much we can put in our tank, how much is cash is available to us and two, what we dress. So I just kept saying, well, all I know is I have 20 bucks and I wore long johns today, <laughs> you know, right. Or I've got 20 bucks and I got sunscreen on today or whatever, right? Like, and it was just like, huh? And ha not having to focus so harshly on obstacles allowed me to move, put that energy onto what I wanted to do. It wasn't a big trick. It was just like, I realized that I only have so much energy. And if I fixate on these things, they take my energy, my focus. But if I, uh, you know, if I, if I see, I can see them, it's not about ignoring them, but it's just about saying, well, what do I want? Do I, you know, do I want to fixate on this and spend a lot of time here or do, am I trying to get somewhere else? And so is this serving my vision? Is this, is what I'm thinking serving my vision? Are my thoughts serving me or am I a servant to the thoughts that I have? And, and I've, I found that in a lot of ways I was serving the thoughts that I had and, and not having the thoughts that I, not directing my thoughts to serve me. So it's, it was just a simple adjustment. And the cool thing about it, stuff like that is that you don't have to relearn a skill you just have to redirect it <laughs> that was that was a lot, it was a lot. <laughs> but i love it i mean I, i'm trying to be like even think like what because there's so you know when thinking about opportunity you're thinking about how you flex the sga how you work within traditional territory to to yeah. see that tax return which is super neat mm -hmm. you're thinking about food security yeah. you're thinking about how you integrate traditional values into how you operate your business and making sure that everybody in the community is served you're thinking about building an investment firm you're mm -hmm. thinking about like all of these sort of big integrative pieces and 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 all of it it's just really about focusing on your opportunity rather than your barriers so that your barriers don't consume your energy and that you focus yes. your energy on what you can actually solve for. So anyway, I think it's exciting. You're, you're, you're always an inspiring entrepreneur to talk to less. Are you, have you picked up any new skills over the last couple of years to kind of better position yourself for where you're, where you're trying to go? You know, it's, um, I had to do a presentation a couple of weeks ago. So I, it was a basically a story about how the company came up. And one of the things that I've struggled with over the past couple of years was putting down my tools and, and, and being in, being in the leadership role. And I, I was already in a leadership role for Champagnesiac in, in a governance way, but in, in my company, I'd always been the guy, right? Like with the tool belt and the hammer, I'm the first one on the site and I'm the last one to leave. I'm there on Saturday, Sunday sometimes, uh, but definitely six days a week. I'm just there. I'm, and, I'm, and my thing was that if I see a guy in the hole digging, I'm digging too. I want them to know that I'm in the trenches with them and that if we've got to do stuff and it's raining, I'm out there. So I struggled with that. when I Because of the, all of the staff and all of the opportunities and all of the, the business end of it, it forced me to stop doing that. And I quickly realized I would be like, you know, I'd be like hammering with my phone and I'm trying to measure something. And I'm like, and the measurements are off. And I'm, I've went from being a really good carpenter to being the worst one on the site because it'd be like, Oh, those windows are all framed two inches too big. And I'm like, oh, I really have to pull back and I have to, you know, this image of like uh, the captain, that's the first one into battle all the time. That's a very good, image but at the end of the day if i'm not actually doing the strategic planning and the, and the oversight in the direction 
I'm failing everybody. And I've, what I found was that if I come to site and I'm hitting, using my hammer, I'm taking your job away from you and I'm not doing my job. And I'm only doing that because of my ego. And my ego says, I have to be here. I have to hit the hammer too, because that's, that's, that I, that's who I am. And it's like, really, this last couple of years is really um, defining uh, my role with the company and, and doing it in a way that adds as the most value and, and, and being there sometimes. And, and I do sometimes once in a while, put on a tool belt, but it's like, it's like once in a while, but when I do, everybody's like, look, it less has the belt on today. <laughs> and, um, and, and it's cool. So that's a good, that's a good thing. But so that's, that's been the hardest thing, but it's also been um, personally. So it's like, I'm, I, it's a personal struggle for me that I, it's, it's like this, this thing where I feel like I'm failing, um, failing because I'm not doing, doing actual carpentry, but but it's just about rediscovering that and, and, and just reminding myself, like, this is where you have the most value for all of these men and women that work for you and all of their families. You need to create more work for them. You need to look for those opportunities. And, and so it's giving me this ambition to say, okay, and that sort of vision that I created for you, being able to have the time to, to, to articulate what I want and where I can fit and where my values are has helped me create to create that vision and the opportunity of not having to go and put on the belt has opened up so many doors for me to say, okay, well, I can buy into this. So when everything happened with the company and expanding, I had to question. I always question like, okay, this is very successful. This is very awesome. You've got lots and lots of work. Is this what I want? Am I still being the man that I want to be for my family and, 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 and who I want to be for myself? Um, because, a lot of money sometimes can, can mean that you're not spending time with your family, that you're not that you're not doing things that you want. You might not be traveling or hunting or fishing. And so what I said is, if I'm going to do this and expand, how does it have to look for me to say I'm willing to sacrifice this time with my family and the time on traditional land and doing all this stuff? How does it have to look? And what I articulated to you is what I came up with, which was worth me sacrificing those things for and so it it's it's just saying okay well I have the, these are the values that I have and and it's it's um yeah I mean like it's it's just kind of I think that I always said this to my kids too when they were younger any any young person it's like you're gonna have to sacrifice you're gonna have to suffer um but you get to choose what to suffer for so an example is if you wanted to be a dancer okay that's all you want but you decided not to, and then you pick a job that you, that you don't like, or that that's not dancing. And then you're always going to wonder if you could become a dancer. You're always going to suffer and think, oh man, I could have, I could, why did I do this? And then you're going to have to do what you're doing and find the love into that. So they're going to, there's going to be a lot of struggle. If you decided to be a dancer, well, then you're going to have to be, you're, well, watch what you eat and you're going to have to get up and practice. You're going to have to say no to a lot of people like, hey, there's a there's something going on. Nope, can't. It's your birthday. Here's a cake. Sorry, I can't eat that. I'm, I'm a dancer. I got a show coming up, right? Like, so you're going to have to suffer. But the, the bonus is, is that when you can choose, like, you know, when you when you're making that choice, your mentality is completely changed. It's like, yeah, I'm doing this. And then that suffering, it actually becomes almost enjoyable <laughs> you know it's like this is i'm doing this right like i'm getting up today this is hard like but um but i'm choosing the i'm choosing this i'm here in the moment you know it's been a really disruptive period of time for the global economy for the yukon economy what are your hopes as we sort of emerge from this pandemic or into our new normal for the Yukon economy? I mean, we've had COVID, we've also had disruptive things like, you know, the first Asian procurement policy as well and how that kind of moves into the territory. So what are you kind of paying attention to when it comes to the Yukon economy? Well, um, everything's more expensive. Uh, housing is more expensive. I, I keep thinking that the house that I'm in right now, it's a... Uh, I think it's about 2000 square feet. I can't remember, uh, but uh, <laughs> the house I'm in right now, we bought for 300, $375,000. This house right now is probably over $600,000. And we've only been here for six years. And it's just like, a lot of people look at that and they're like, awesome, my house is worth this much. 
It's like, no, no, no. It's your dollars worth less. Uh, so if you went to go buy this house, you would have to pay twice as much for it. There isn't a gain in that. There isn't a, there, for a purse for the families. There's no gain in that. You know, if it, it's like it, the money is worth less. That's basically what it is. And, and so that's very, it's a very scary thing. And I look around our landscape to say, well, who in our landscape is, is trying to reduce the cost of things? It's like, you know, there's, there's, there's government programs that help the rising cost. There's government programs that help you build more efficiently, but it's not helping the cost. And, and a lot of the times when government puts money on the table, well, it's just like that money gets soaked up and it rises the price of things. Um, the demand is also there too, because there's, there's like free money so you can buy more stuff. So when people are buying more stuff, the supply and demand starts going up. So that's scary. So what I want to do is I want to look at how to reduce the cost, how to do maybe get get into things where it's like uh, rent to own again, and how how can we how can we lower the cost of of like lumber and material and, and supplies, and how can we lower the cost of land? And and I keep questioning why is it like this, um, you know? And I'm not pointing the finger. I'm not saying well, you know, it's it's this person or it's this government or it's this. I'm saying the system isn't designed to to make those decisions and we all have to come back to why the system is there because us as humans got together citizens got together and said there's an issue let's get together and let's work and so there's an issue now now we got to get together and now we got to see how are we going to reduce costs and as an example this is one of my ideas i want to direct buy from mills i want to direct buy from suppliers so that we can supply at a lower rate and the way that I'm trying to approach this is to say, maybe what we can do is look at the social aspect of things and to say, look, for social housing, for women's shelters, for, for youth centers, for elders complex, for community halls, why are they paying market value for lumber? Why are they paying market value for these supplies? Why can't we direct buy? These, they're, they're, they're building infrastructure that helps society. Why are they paying market value? You know, and, and, I'm all for somebody making money. I'm, I'm happy if somebody is really successful and it's, 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 I'm not trying to pick on companies, so I won't name anything, but there's X company and there's one guy that owns it and he's a billionaire. Fine, you, you're really successful. I'm all for options. You should have an option. If you want to pay top dollar for something, well, there you go. Go over here. If you want to do something that's going to help our community and you're building infrastructure, hey, maybe there's a door over here that you can access and maybe you can buy material at a reduced cost. And so then you can buy, you can build more of those things, or you can do it for less. So that money can be, it, it, it just creates more of opportunity. And it just takes some of us getting inspired and pushing. I think that there, there's landscape there to, to be able to, to do stuff like that. Also, you know, for one of my ideas too, is, is to be able to design houses. If I could purchase land, if, if, <laughs> if a company can purchase land legit, and I don't want to get into this too much, but right now, um, if you're above board and as a company, I want to go and purchase single family use lots, I can't do that. And I, and I see the efficacy in that, but the way the system is built now is that companies just, just apply as a person and get all their family members to apply. So one company can get 30 lots and they can make 300 applications. And so that one company gets all those lots and now they, so which raises the cost of things, because if that company gets the lot is unable to do that without penalty, then, um, then a citizen can't get that lot. So then when the citizen goes to buy it, the, the person, the company owner says, well, I paid $150,000 for the lot. I want to make 10% or 20% on that. So now I'm going to add that to the cost of the house, which drives up the housing cost. And then of course, if you're a realtor, you're saying, okay, cool, that I get more, I get more money when the houses are, are worth more. And so now I've sold this house for this much. So guess what? The next house is worth the same amount. And the next house is worth all, everything's pointing up. We need some stuff pointing down is what I'm trying to say. I don't want to get too far into that, but, and I'm just saying that there are ways that we can do that. Bulk purchasing. If I'm bulk purchasing and I don't have to buy through that, maybe I can come up here and purchase that. I don't want to be in direct competition with other people, but I wanna find ways that we can all work together at reducing the cost. I wanna see families in homes. And when I, I, did, I went down to this conference, once a housing conference, and this, uh, this lady spoke 
And she was just talking about the value of owning your home and the value that it brings to the children and the grandchildren and their grandchildren. And there was this study. It was just like the, the education level, the, the health level, like everything was up. Like um, the, you know, like the emotional competency, everything was just by owning that home, how it reflected so strongly on that family. And, the, and then the chances of, of the kids are like, they go up like two times. The chances of if those kids own homes, if their kids like three times is likely that they'll own homes. And, and so it's like, okay, cool. You know, I think that uh, there's definitely a lot of efficacy in it. And I'm not saying everybody should own a home. But what I am saying is that, that we need to start working on be, being able to reduce this so that we can, we, if somebody wants to, a single mom, a single dad, or, or a family that's struggling, like they should be able to get into a home and purchase something. And additionally, if you're going to spend $600,000 on a home, you should be able to decide what it looks like. <laughs> you should be able to decide how, how the rooms are, you know, it's like when, and when, when companies buy up all the lots, you don't get to decide. They say, we've got a house for sale. We don't want to deal with customers. Uh, here you go. You can just buy what we've sold. If you don't like it, there's 20 more people waiting to buy the same home. And um, that's the other issue too, is that because of the lack of housing and the lack of land, um, families are bidding 30, 40, 50, $60,000 over asking price. I don't think that that's there's I don't think that there's a moral compass in the world that 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 should do that. Like, for instance, if, if there was milk sitting here, there's this a cup, there's this cup of water. Say you got to buy water and this water is worth five dollars. Why are you paying six dollars for this water? It, my business plan is designed around selling this for five bucks. My profit margins are all in there. Why should you pay more? I don't see I don't see. Um, I just morally, I, I, I'm against something like that because I feel like uh, it forces people that are desperate to to just beg, borrow, and steal to just get into a house for they so they can live. Like it's you're you're putting people that are that are only trying to house themselves and their family, and, and you're you're taking advantage of them. And, and and it's like, oh well, it's a free market world. You can should be able to. Yeah, I get that, but there should be another choice. Now, this choice that I'm talking about is the only choice everywhere you look. There's no other choice. Why can't we have other choices to say, you know what, when you buy a house off Walker Home Construction, if I say the house is 600 because it's a nice house with a rental property and whatever it is, that's what I'm selling it for you. I will not accept a dollar under or a dollar over. My business plan is based around six. I don't need, you know, and, and, and so I'll stop there because if I go too deep, it's, I, I can get a little frustrated with that part of it. Well, Lasso, what I appreciate is it's clear what your what your values are as a human and as an entrepreneur and, and how you're trying to enact those values and, and how you conduct yourself as an entrepreneur. And I, th I think that's really noble. Um, what advice do you have for emerging entrepreneurs? Oh, my goodness. It depends on like the general advice. It's hard, right? Like everybody's in a different spot and... I think I've already given the advice, uh, find something that you're passionate about and don't, doesn't matter what anybody tells you, uh, just continue to go after it. You're going to learn, you're going to make a mistake, you're going to lose money, you're going to make money, you're going to, you know, it's it just continue to go forward and check your values, you know, like, um, don't sacrifice your values to chase things. Um, and when, when you get through that, it's just going to happen one day or it might happen right away because sometimes people are just, they just have the best energy and everybody wants, you know, it's like the first thing they do is just everybody wants it. But just, just check your values and, um, and, and be, don't lose your passion and, and always question, why am I doing this? You know, if, is this just to make a million bucks? Because, you know, there's tons of people with a lot of money that are miserable. Um, is there something greater than this that uh, that that that's there? Is there an opportunity that creator has put in front of you, or the universe, whatever you want to believe, has put in front of you um, that is greater than what your own um, own needs are and your own vision is? And it's when you can do that, it kind of pulls you through the, those hard parts because there will be hard parts. There will be times. There'll be pandemics, and there'll be this, and there'll be that, and um, 
you know, as, as long as you're moving towards those things, um, you're not failing. I don't believe like that in that, oh, one step forward, two steps back. If you're moving towards your goals, there's no steps back. Even when you fall, you fall forward, right? Like that's what I believe. And when you have that mentality, it's, it's like, okay, I'm getting up today and I have something to move towards. It's greater than myself and, or that's something that I believe is what has value and, and, and pick it. And I think that you'll be able to attract people in your life that resonate the same um, and, and they put out the same. So I do believe in that. Les, have you had any sort of shifts in your worldview over the last couple of years because of your pandemic, anything that's changed, changed how you think about the world? Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I used to be a hardcore liberal, I tell you that. Uh, I don't think I am anymore. Um, I think that I'm listening to both sides now. And it's just like, and you're not making sense when you're talking to them like that. And then you listen over side, this side, and you're like, well, you are making sense. But then you listen to this side, and you're like, you're crazy. <laughs> like, how could you say that? <laughs> and then you listen to this side, and you're like, man, I really love how you put that. And so it's like, I'm, I'm like, right in the center now it's like and I think I've been thinking a lot about our politics and, and our structure and it's like why are we like this why is it like you know it's like a conservative or liberal conservative or liberal it's like maybe there is a balance there and and we've ended up finding a natural kind of thing and eventually it's just going to straighten out and it, it will be more like the liberal like like it's honest it's, it's funny because the not that we want to get too involved in politics but Pierre is sounding he's like the most liberal conservative that, that you've ever heard. Um, and he's making a lot of sense on things and you're like, huh. Um, and then, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the negativity coming from the liberals now, it's like, you sound conservative. Like you're, you're, you're sounding really conservative the way you address people and the way you label people. Um, uh, it's like, that's scary. It's a scary thing. And, and so, but I do think that there's ebb and flows and I know that it's, it's a fickle landscape. Um, and you don't get to be prime minister without having dirt. I mean, like, and not in the system that we've created. So it's not like I don't think anybody's completely wrong or completely right. I, I think that um, sometimes people lose touch with uh, their citizens and, and maybe that's when things need to change. But I just, I think that we can come with a more evolved way of looking at things. And if we can talk to each other, if we can hear each other out, if, if we don't just take the lazy way out and paint people with one brush, well, oh, well, uh, you're, uh, you're a liberal. Well, I'm just going to paint you with this brush. Or you're a conservative. Well, you must, uh, you know, whatever. Like, it's like, well, well, why are you like that? What is in your life? How, how does it, how has it affected you? Like, that takes time. That, that's about building um, a culture of, of, of what is it, uh, the language of relationship not a separation language, uh, an elder, uh, Phil Gattensby and, and Harold Gattensby always talk to this, uh, talk towards this. It's like, can, can we create a language that brings us together? And, and, can, and that doesn't mean we have to think the same. That doesn't mean we have to believe the same. That, mean, that means that we create a landscape where we try to understand each other. And um, through that perspective, we can move towards creating something that that is more congruent to what we what we both want, and it's you're never going to please everybody. Like you know, sometimes people are just going to be pissed off, and they're always doesn't matter what you cook them the best dinner, and they're always going to be like, "Well, it's late," you know. Are you you, you freaking you know? Are there's other people where they're always just going to love everything, and it's like you you mess up, they're just going to love you anyway. You're so it's it's a balance of that, and what it what it isn't is these these solid this is completely right no matter what you say or no matter what happens no matter what scenario you come from this is always going to be right and this will always be wrong that mentality is a lazy mentality it's it's not actually communicating because in my life i know there are so many things that i've thought this is right and this is wrong and i've been in a situation and it's like man i was so ignorant to things you know, I, I was so ignorant to all of this story from this from this other side, or, or I was ignorant to whatever this scenario. So it's we really need to get together. We need to have things like this where, where we're talking and we're sharing and we're open and um, and we're learning from each other. And uh, but in a respectful way, 
Like, you know, if I have a belief, I, I can't just throw it in your face and expect you to believe that. And I have to be open for you to say, well, Les, I think what you're saying is out to lunch, man. And this is why. And I, I'd be like, huh, you know, maybe, or, or, or I never thought of it like that. I still might think the same, but I never thought of that. And, and, it, and it adjusted a little bit. If I took anything, I used to work with youth and I took this can and I said, to, I said to you, explain to me what you see. And, and uh, you said, oh, let me do this. And you said, well, I see a bunch of, it's blue and there's a couple shades of blue and maybe some stuff, but it's all words and I can't really make it out. It's, it's a little shiny. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's, uh, it's fruit and it's water and it's life and it's, and it's beautiful. And you're like, no, 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 it's just words. That's all I see. It's just words. Yeah, it's a cylinder. It's a, we can agree on that. But and then I and then we talk and it's like, oh, oh, it is fruit. Oh, and then I can see. I, oh, I see the words. You were right when you saw it from your perspective. I was right. But until we started talking to each other, we, we never got the full picture. And, and that's what we need to do in life. We need to start looking at stuff and taking our egos out of it taking it and we solidify these things like I know something I'm going to make a little form and I'm going to form it up and I'm going to show everybody I know this this is the truth really you think I'm sorry you think that way because I my life has shown me different things and I'm willing to sit here and talk to you but if you always have that concrete that's solidified you have no room for growth and that's what we've been taught when you're in school you know what is it what do they say one plus one equals two. I'm stealing this from Phil, actually. <laughs> one plus one equals two. One plus one less, no, one plus one equals two. Okay. What about one drop of water plus one drop of water? Does that two drops of water? No, that's one, that's one drop of water still. So not in every application are these are these these things always right. And so yeah, I mean, there are some consistencies. A jerk is a jerk, wherever they are. <laughs> so, you know, it's like water is wet, but in the Arctic, it's, you know what I mean? There are always those. And then there's never, but it's, it's always these things where it's like, always become interested and always question. It's all right to question things. Even the same thing every over and over and over every day. Question things. Take those moments. It's like I said, when you're having success, question, is this where I want to go? Is this who, I, who I'm becoming through this someone that I want to be? And if not, make those adjustments. And I think we live in a world where we have a vast amount of resources at our fingertips. And so it's just, to me, it just gets really, really exciting. And the older I get, the more energy I get. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just like, it's so excited sometimes. That's why I have to, I'm, I'm learning how to control um, yeah, I, I do like to talk a lot and I, my energy does get up, but it's, it's I'm trying to learn how to control the direct it so that it, oh, it doesn't become overwhelming. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think in terms of the, the question around worldview and seeing the impact of po political polarization in, yeah. in the public over the last couple of years has has been impactful and and the lens through which we see or discuss an issue, whether it was related to pandemic or something else has been um, it, uh, mind, mind shifting for, for many of us. What, what's been kind of keeping you grounded through all of this? What's been your wellness practice? I, I got a good, uh, you know, over the, when I was younger, I, I struggled with alcohol addiction. You know, I wasn't into anything hard, but, um, but, you know, I smoked weed and and I drank a lot. Like when I didn't have my kids, when I was usually somebody was over with some beer or something. And um, one day I just decided, I looked around my life and I said, I don't have one person in my life that's, that's actively in my life that's sober or that doesn't have these like a major um, trauma and, and issues. And, and I'm like, then I, the pity party started and it's like, well, well, why don't I, why should I be the only one in my life that tries to make healthy choices? Uh, and then that only lasted a little while because I'm, I don't let myself be in that place for too long. And it's like, Hey, okay. Yeah. You're going to be the one. And one of the reasons is because I deserve to have somebody in my life that is sober and strong. And if I have to be that person for myself, then so be it. And, and then just the side benefits of that is um, 
you know, it's just, there's, there's so many, uh, you know, side benefits to that, but it, it ended up over the last few years. Um, when I say few, I'm like 15. <laughs> um, I just started delving into that and slowly working on my health. And I ended up getting elected as a, as a political leader for Champagnesiac. And, and I thought, okay, well, if I'm, if I want to help, if that's what my intent is, it has to start with me. And if I can't help myself, then, then why am I thinking that I can be here in this position and help anybody else? And I, what I noticed is that the issues that I struggle with here are the same issues that my family struggles with, the same issue that my community struggles with, and the same issues that come up in the world. And it's like these cycles. You look at these cycles, uh, the, like all sorts of stuff. Um, and it's like, okay, cool. So if I can, maybe if I can solve it here and, and then it can resonate out, then we can actually do crazy, really cool things. So I, I created this thing and I said, okay, well, if I'm putting down alcohol and drugs, actually, this was an advice from somebody, one of, my, one of uh, um, I wouldn't say like my friend, because I didn't know her, but I took this course and she was teaching it. And she said, if you're going to put something down, pick something up to replace it, because obviously you got something from that. And if you are just eliminating this, even though it is negative, it still was providing with you some, providing you something that you needed. So I picked working out. So, so I've created this structure over the years where I, you know, I'll get up in the morning and I'll work out and I find it's better for me because I, I have a, I have this goal, this personal goal and I achieve it. And um, everything else is built on success. So I woke up today, I did a, a really good workout. I ate healthy. So everything else is built and resonates from that point opposed to well I slept in and I was late for work and it's like then you're building everything on like oh man like that then at the end of the day when you're exhausted trying to get the energy to do it and I'm not saying everybody should do that but for me that's I found that just figuring out what works for me and and how it works in, in the best way and, and being able to adjust um and so so yeah I mean like I've, I've created that uh, and I've created the uh my day kind of reflects um, how I like to start it. So I'm starting a little bit later, like I'm, you know, might be getting into work at nine instead of eight or, you know what I mean? So it's, I have to start a little bit later. Um, but having those consistencies like that really, really helps support the things that I, that I have to do. And then also so like really the team that I, that I have around me um, and trusting them and, and keep reminding them when, when they ask me questions, like, you know what we should do. Tell me what you think we should do. And instead of just saying, this is, I think we should do it like this. It's just reminding them that they already know the answer to the question that they're asking me. And, um, and then they're, they're the ones with the ability to do it. And it's not, well, what we got to talk to Les about this or talk, talk to him. How are we going to proceed with that? It's like, no, no, you, I'm, my whole idea is that, I want to create something that is, if I'm not here, uh, and then it can still go on. And that, to me, there's that that is probably one of the only reasons to create something. If I was just to create something that dies with me, then um, that is a failure to me. Uh, that would be a complete failure. So it's like I want to create something that that continues on. So I I lost track of the question you asked me, but I think that. Uh, for me, I have those, I have my personal routines and I, and I, that really kind of supports me through, through what we have to deal with. And, and it's those simple things that, that I can address and hit that, that help me be, um, be present in everything that I'm trying to do. And I'm not present all the time. Like I'm, I, I know I come across a lot of the times I come across righteous and like, I think that I know all and I don't and, but I'm all right with that. And I'm confident in what I do know. And I'm also confident to be corrected on things that, that, I, that I think that I know that, that aren't true. And by not having the ego attached to that, I don't take a personal hit when somebody's like, no, Les, you're wrong. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I am wrong. Okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs> right? Like, let's, okay, let's move on. <laughs> right? Like, um, so, and it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's, I'm confident in the fact that, that, um, that I really love growth and I love learning and I, I really love being a part of something greater than myself and that whole that whole vision to me kind of gives me the uh 
gives me the energy to, to move through things. I think that a lot of people get frustrated with and it's like, no, it's worth it. You know, it is worth it. <laughs> well, Les, I just want to thank you so much for your time today and, and, uh, and your, the stories that you've shared and, and do you have any final thoughts before we close out for today? No, I, I really appreciate being asked to, to be a part of this. I was, I was overwhelmed when you got, got a hold of me. So I think that this is awesome. I really appreciate what you're doing and I, I hope that you continue to do it. And um, yeah, if I can support in any way, let me know. Well, thanks Les. Thanks so much for your time. Take care. Okay, see you.